Hey y'all, thanks for joining me for Roaring Out Podcast Episode 10, Lessons Learned from Teaching. So the semester is over, and as of this recording, I am very, very close to being done with grading for the fall 2015 semester, so I am super excited about that, um, and I can also relax a little bit. I've been teaching for uh, about four years, and for those of you who may not know, I teach At the college level, um, I'm an adjunct. I teach at a few different schools in the New Jersey area. And I've been doing that for about four years now. And at the end of every semester, I get reflective and I ponder, uh, which sounds very mindful and maybe even sort of woo-woo, but um, it's the time for student evaluations and it really gets me thinking about what went well during the semester and what I can improve, Um, you know, not only in the classroom, but just for myself as a teacher, what I can work on and what worked that I can incorporate next semester. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, that's great, Michelle, but what does this have to do with me? So I was thinking particularly at the end of this semester that the skills used in teaching aren't just for the classroom. They can also be used in a few real-life situations. Not that school isn't a real-life situation, but I guess in in broader situations. So I wanted to share uh, four of these skills with you, actually. Um, So go through them one by one and explain what I mean about the fact that they can be used in other environments. Some of those environments can include business or social settings. So the first one I think is very good, I think in a professional sense, and that is not everyone really hears what you have to say the first time. We'd like to think that everyone's listening to everything we have to say all of the time, but most people burn out after a while or if they're attending a presentation, tend to tune out or zone out every now and then, or even during conversations, your mind may wander. And that's totally normal. But then what you have to say sometimes can be lost just from people normally zoning out. So what this translates to is two things, I think. One is repeating yourself, and two is modeling what you want. Now, from my perspective as a teacher, that means, yes, I repeat myself all the time. My very first semester of teaching, when I gave directions, I thought it was just one and done and everyone would know exactly what they needed to do. And I also figured it would be annoying if I repeated myself and that students would roll their eyes and think, well, yeah, you just said this, no duh. What I found myself, though, is even when I do say things, if I repeat it five minutes later, students sometimes will treat that as if it's new information because they will not have heard me the first time because of this whole zoning out or being on their phone or, you know, whatever other distractions might be present. So repeat yourself is one. Now, of course, you don't want to say the same thing over and over one right after the other, but If there's something that's really important that you really want to get across in a presentation or even to a friend or a spouse, 
maybe take a quick inventory after the conversation and just say, hey, I just want to recap that we're meeting at this time next week or that you're going to throw out the garbage or, you know, whatever it is that's very important. Make sure you recap that. Now, the other thing I mentioned was modeling what you want. You might be thinking, well, what do you mean by this? Um, People will not always remember what you say. More often than not, they will remember what you do. So if you model what you want or the behaviors that you want, people are more likely to retain that information rather than if you just speak it. And this, again, holds true in the classroom. So I have students who will always want to be late with deadlines or even will not have what I think is common email etiquette, you know, starting off with dear professor or even, you know, hi, Michelle, I allow my students to call me by my first name. If they so choose, they often don't, uh, which is fine, but I give them that option. Oftentimes, though, I do have students who will email me with no salutation or anything. Um, One time, actually, I got at the end of the semester just a one line email from a student that said, what's my grade in the class? Um, Now, if someone was to say that in, if I knew someone pretty well and they said that face to face, I may not take offense, but in an email, it seems very curt and not courteous. So when I email students, I always make sure to include a greeting, include, um, you know, an end greeting like sincerely or have a good day or, you know, whatever and sign my name because I'm hoping that that it will rub off. And it doesn't always, but I know that at least I did my part by modeling and going over it. And I also try and model it with sticking to deadlines. I tell my students at the beginning of the semester that, I take about a week and a half to get papers back. And now that doesn't always happen. And my students have been pretty good usually with giving me some grace and some leeway. And so when they need an extension for an extenuating circumstance, I try and also extend that same grace to them within reason, of course. And we'll talk a little bit more about that with point three. But for now, I'll move on to point two, which is being able to think quickly and adjust to different situations. One of the pieces of advice that I give to uh, people who have asked me, what would you suggest for me if I want to go into teaching right away? I almost always say take improv classes and that might seem really strange. Um, You know, you might think, well, Michelle wouldn't, you know, shouldn't they get a master's in teaching or in shadow a professor, whatnot. And sure, all of those things can be important and certainly very helpful. But, you know, when you're faced with a situation or a student is acting out or is asking a a question that you didn't prepare for formally or think of necessarily ahead of time, and they, they always will. Students have this uncanny knack to ask you things that you weren't anticipating. And it's one of the things that I love about teaching, the fact that I don't always know what will happen. And improv will really help you with that. It helps you to think on your feet and practice that skill. Some people may think, well, some people are just better at that than others. And while that may be true, it still is a skill that you can practice and get better at. So 
I would say take an improv class and be ready and open for anything that happens. Um, if you practice the skill of improv, it can also help you be confident in those situations and help you not feel like you're losing the room or losing um, the situation. So in teaching, that translates to when I'm giving a lecture, when I'm giving directions or things like that. And students ask an off the wall sort of question that I wasn't anticipating. I can be ready for it and handle it with grace. Um, it also helps in situations when students are a bit more combative. I once was giving directions to what I thought was a pretty straightforward assignment and a student combated it. She said, I don't see the point to this assignment. I think we're past this already and I don't think we should do it now. And of course, right. Students do the whole, Ooh, what's professor going to do? Um, and the way I handled that was, well, I see your point, And if you really don't want to do it, don't do it and take the F. And that, I think if I would have dealt with that my first semester of teaching, I probably would have been taken very off guard. But that was probably last year in my third year of teaching where I was used to students trying to see what they can get away with. And one of the things that I really lay down in the classroom is this idea of respect and of responsibility. The students that I have, they're adults. And if they don't want to do an assignment, that's fine. But they need to know that there will be consequences for it. Just like if I don't do my work and prepare and grade and things like that, I will not be doing my job and not leading my class right. So there's a sort of mutual respect there as well. Now, how can this turn over into another type of situation. Certainly we've all had social situations where somebody says something, um, even a family member that catches us off guard, you know, be ready to play it off maybe as a joke to come back with a quip, um, you know, or show that you're ready for it in a business presentation. Um, it can manifest itself in showing that you're not easily flustered and that you can take whatever is handed your way. One of the other important things with adjusting to situations is also not being afraid to say, I don't know. But especially in a business situation, if you must say that and say, I don't know, also show that you're prepared and are able to find the answer and can follow up. I think that's really important. And that's actually served me really, really well in the classroom um, because no one can know everything. So I often will tell students if they ask me a question that I simply don't know the answer to, I'll tell them I'll get back to I'll email you with the answer or I'll look it up and we'll cover it in the next class. So it shows not only confidence, but also humility. Um, and also the fact that you are able and capable of finding the answer to something um, that you don't know in the moment. The third thing, uh, the third lesson is finding the balance between compassion and laying down the law. Now, what the heck does that mean? Right. Um, in the classroom, I set down rules 
in my classroom from day one with the syllabus. It outlines what needs to be done to pass the course and what I will accept and what I will not accept. I actually have a grace period for late assignments. And after that grace period, students know I will not accept it. And it's a zero for them. Um, they can't make it up. Nothing like that. Um, there's also class etiquette. There's also um, assignment sheets that I'll hand out throughout the semester for each individual assignment detailing the guidelines. And students know if they don't meet the guidelines, they'll either get a zero or in some way their grade will be lowered. So part of laying down the law and finding that balance between um, setting those boundaries and compassion is first there needs to be a baseline. And how I do that is with my syllabus the first you know, from the very first day of class. How does that translate to, say, a social situation or business setting or another type of setting is setting boundaries with other people. In a business setting, that might mean um, you will not put overtime regularly. You know, you have your eight hours and you want your time respected that you are at your desk on time or even a few minutes early. And then that entitles you to be done by, say, five o'clock. Um, if you're a freelancer, that may mean um, you set the boundary of you will not do rush jobs or any job that doesn't have a lead time of 20, at least 24 hours, you will not be able to do, for example. Um, in a social situation, it may be that you set a boundary of maybe a topic of conversation, a sensitive topic of conversation, maybe off limits, um, you know, or something like that. So to find this balance, first off, you need a baseline. And then where do you sort of fudge that line or, or redraw that line? In a school setting, I call this redrawing the line because the baseline with my syllabus is the line. However, there are some things that can be flexible. So, for example, if a student has an extenuating circumstance, I, I've had students who get pneumonia in the middle of a semester um, and so they ask for an extension and, you know, of course, they bring in a doctor's note and I'll gladly give them, um, say, they need a week and a half rather than, say, the grace, usual grace period of a week that I give. You know, if they give me proper documentation, I can redraw that line. So that's a situation where I may show some compassion. There are some students who I have um, that are more mature, so they may have a full time job or they may have a family. And so I may redraw the line a little bit with deadlines um, or sometimes with a lateness policy. I may give them instead of, say, a five minute grace period, I may give them a 10 minute grace period um, because of family obligations. Now, you might be thinking, well, Michelle, how do I know where the balance is between this compassion and between leaving the, the line, the boundary where it is? In my case, it really depends on the type of class and the student who's asking. Um, in your case, it may depend on the business situation. It may depend on the relative or the boss. Um, the, the way I try and find the balance is make clear boundaries and get to know the people. So for me, that syllabus is that clear line and I get to I really get to know my students. So if a student who's asking for an extension hasn't handed in anything all semester, 
and is telling me he or she needs another, an extension on something I know he or she probably will not hand in, I will probably lay down the law, you know, uh, in that case. But again, in a case where a student has been doing fairly well and has, for the most part, been handing in assignments and needs a one or two day extension beyond the grace period I normally give, that in that case, I'd probably redraw the line. Um, if you're a boss, you know, and you have a few people under you, it may be something similar. If um, a an employee who never gets to work on time, often leaves early, often makes excuses, wants an extension on, say, uh, an assignment or a report that's due, maybe lay down the law. You know, um, that may be some time for some tough love, whereas uh, a better performing employee who maybe needs a few days because of an extenuating circumstance, you know, maybe in that case, give a little bit of compassion. So, again, it's really it depends on the situation and also the person. So it's it really has to do with setting clear boundaries and getting to know the people that you're around, who you're working with and who you're interacting with. The last lesson that I want to impart is practicing the art of skimming. Now, this may not uh, factor too much into everyone's life. I tend to read a lot. One, because I'm an English teacher and I just enjoy reading. And two, because I grade a ton of papers every semester. And if I read every single word of every single one, I'd still be grading papers from two years ago. You know what I mean? So, um, I need to come up with a system and speed read, essentially, to get the gist of what the student is saying and to give students the grades that is that is reflective of the effort they put into the work they're giving me. And a big part of this is I can't absorb everything. Once I'm on paper 15 of 30, you know, the lines start to blur a little bit. So part of skimming is for my own sanity and it's also to boost my productivity. So everyone wants more productivity, right? Better productivity. Um, so the way this may factor in for you isn't necessarily grading papers, but it may be reading through email. Um, it may be if you're a freelancer, perhaps you're a copy editor, perhaps you're a writer. Um, it may be reading um, blog posts even. It may be reading directions for the bullet point content, what's really super important. So this has to do with, again, productivity and also sanity in a lot of ways. If you read every single word of every single thing to absorb everything, you first off, you would not absorb every everything. And two, um, a lot of your time would be taken on things that don't necessarily need to take as long as, as if um, you were skimming instead. One app um, and I will include the link to this app in the show notes that can help with this is called Accelerate. It's one that I use and I have seen um, an improvement. I actually haven't used it in a little while, but when I was using it a few months ago, I could definitely see an improvement in both my reading speed and my comprehension. So that's one app if you want to practice the art of skimming. And like improv, it's a skill. And while some people may naturally be faster readers than others, again, like improv, it's a skill that you can exercise and practice and get better at. So 
those are my four lessons or skills that I uh, wanted to impart. Again, just to repeat, um, going going along with um, with point one, it's um, repeat yourself and model the behavior that you want. Number two is be able to think quickly and adjust to different situations. Number three, find the balance between compassion and laying down the law. And number four, practice the art of skimming. So I actually may write a companion blog post to this. Uh, A couple months ago, I actually wrote a blog post, um, the stages of grading uh, as shown by pictures of Gollum from Lord of the Rings. So I may write a companion piece to this uh, lessons learned from teaching as shown by Gollum as well. He, he's a very expressive little character. Um, and actually I'll include a link to that stages of grading blog post in the show notes in case you're interested. And also if there's anything else you would add to these skill, these teaching skills that are applicable to other life situations, feel free to reach out to me either by email Twitter, Instagram, I'm all over the internet. Um, And all of those links can also be found in the show notes. Lastly, if you like this podcast, if you would consider rating it, that would be so fantastic. And I would really appreciate it. And the link to rate the this show will also be in the show notes. So thanks again, guys, for um, joining me on this journey again, episode of the podcast 10. And I'll see you guys next week for the last show of 2015.